Hello, welcome once again to Poets, Brothels, and Thoughts, a Westworld podcast. Uh, yes, Eric, I almost said the wrong podcast. I heard it, I heard it. Yes. Uh, speaking of, my name is Philip from New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and one of the co-hosts, and with me in the state of Michigan, this is Eric. Eric, how are you, sir? I am well. Excellent. And in the state of New York, this is Mike. Mike, how's it going, sir? I'm fine, Phil. How are you? Very good, very good. Uh, this is episode three of season two of Westworld, because we are going uh, episode to episode. We did not have a uh, preseason episode, um, but we are here to discuss uh, the latest episode of Westworld. Uh, but before we do that, uh, first off... Uh, Eric, you do a couple other podcasts? I oh, do. I, yeah, at least two, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, one of them is the podcast of which this is a spinoff, Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror fiction, or sorry, horror film fiction and all that's fantastic. Uh, I also co-host another spinoff of that podcast called You Know Nothing, Jon Snow. It's a Game of Thrones podcast. We'll be back in 2019. And... I do a other podcast that I record and produce. My co-host, Dan, it's a general interest podcast called the Ascansity Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it on Google Play, Stitcher, and the iTunes Store. Excellent. And, Mike, uh, you do podcasts and have a blog and such? Well, I do, uh, in addition to Dark Discussions, uh, in addition to Bullets, Brothers, and Bots, and Westworld Podcast, I also do... Uh, you know nothing, John Snow, Westworld podcast, and Searching for American Gods and American Gods podcast, both of which are spinoffs of Dark Discussions, and will be returning sometime in the year two thousand and nineteen. Very good. You did say uh, an interesting thing there, Mike. You said I do another podcast. Uh, you know nothing, John Snow, a Westworld podcast. That's, I did say that. You did. You met Game of Thrones podcast. Well, no, that's going to be the surprise twist on the final season. It's all. <laughs> It's one of the worlds. Game of Thrones is, is Park 7, yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> very good, very good. Um, for folks uh, who are joining uh, our community or listening to this podcast, anyway, uh, we are under www.darkdiscussions.com is the website for this podcast. And as Eric stated, this is a spinoff podcast of dark discussions. So uh, rather than creating an entire page and all that, we just have a page off of darkdiscussions.com. You can find this podcast wherever podcasts are found, but Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher are good places to look. But you can actually find it under two different feeds. You can find it under Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast, or you can find it under Dark Discussions Podcast, because Dark Discussions Podcast encompasses this podcast as well as the Dark Discussions Podcast, which is a weekly podcast, as I'm excited, uh, discussing horror films and fantasy films and so forth. But for those folks who just want to hear the Westworld podcast, you can just uh, find the feed for Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast. Uh, However, for folks who are uh, new to um, our uh, podcast, this podcast here, um, it may be uh, interesting to at least check out uh, what we do on the other podcasts. Maybe there's some topics over there that interest you. Um, uh, speaking of um, 
podcast. Uh, Eric, uh, have you been listening to David Chen's podcast? I, I forget the name of it. I, I listened Which to the one? latest. He has several. The, the one on Westworld. Uh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that, that's a, a pretty good one um, that I've I'm, been following. Yeah, they're actually putting it out later this year, which uh, I'm yes. actually uh, happy about because um, last year I would listen to their podcast and they would have some of the same opinions I had already formed, but I still felt like I was copying them when I would say it again on our podcast. Uh, and I feel a little better about everything this year uh, recording our podcast before they put out theirs. <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, we're trying to get ours out on Tuesdays. Last week was an exception due to uh, personal uh, matters between all of us where we were busy. Uh, so it came out, I think, on a Thursday. But uh, usually it'll come out on Tuesdays. They, I guess, are coming out on Wednesdays is what they said uh, mm-hmm. for for the same reasons, uh, personal stuff, just time and all that stuff. Well, um, plus both of them to like 50,000 podcasts. That's true. That's true. Not that that... Uh, we don't have our own lives that get in the way, uh, but right. but yes, yes, they they do. But, uh, but I know for a fact both of them do at least uh, three or four podcasts at all times. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, let's see. Anything else uh, about Westworld in general that anybody wanted to talk about? I, um, I just wanted to mention our website real quick. Uh, you can find that at darkdiscussions.com. And Phil was mentioning that you uh, might want to check out Dark Discussions if you've never listened to it before. Uh, if you go to the webpage, you can cherry pick. Uh, there is an audio section where all of the past episodes are listed, and they're all available for free. And the topics are listed clearly there on the page. So you can just kind of scroll through and see what hits your fancy uh, and listen to the ones you want to. Uh, we provide all of those for free. Um, but it's not free to put them up there. So if you'd like to support us in that endeavor, uh, you can go to the Patreon link on the front page of the website or go to patreon.com slash dark discussions and donate money on a monthly basis. Uh, for every $5 a month you donate, you can uh, suggest a topic to possibly be discussed on the Dark Discussions podcast. For more details, go to patreon.com slash dark discussions. Yep, very good. And uh, uh, speaking of uh, our podcast, Doctor Sessions, or for that matter, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast, uh, we're doing uh, three things, having our presence at two conventions and in a meetup. Uh, and uh, the first one, Mike, uh, that's in June uh, 15th, I think, uh, that weekend. Uh, what is that one all about? June 15th is uh, ScareCon weekend in Farmingham, Framingham? Uh, what's, you know, uh, Framingham, no, not Framingham, yeah, Framingham, Massachusetts. Framingham, Massachusetts at the Sheraton Hotel and Convention Center, which apparently is like this big castly-looking thing. I just got my... Very Swiss-looking, very Swiss-looking. Right, I just got my room today, uh, and it's going to be June 15th, 16th, and 17th, so just a little more than a month away. Uh, A lot of guests signed up, Cassandra Peterson, also known as Elvira, is going to be a big one, Doug Bradley, a.k.a. Pinhead is going to be there. Uh, D. Snyder of Twisted Sister, uh, and also of the uh, Adam Green TV series Holliston. Uh, and what was it? Strangeland was D. Snyder's. That's right. Uh, who else was going to be there? A lot of Scream Queens, and there may be a Scream Queen panel that Phil is going to murder people to get on. Uh, huh. Who were some of the Scream Scream Queens they got there, Phil? Uh, uh, Kelly Maroney, Felicia Rose, uh, Amy Steele. Obviously, Elvira um, and Lynn Lowry, uh, just to name a few. 
Okay, and oh, David Naughton from uh, uh, that that what do you Werewolf. call it? American Werewolf, Werewolf in London. In London. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot a lot of folks going to be there. Uh, Danny from The Shining as an adult. Oh yeah, uh, yep. That's another one. So there's a bunch. Yeah, yeah. And so we're going to have a table there. We're going to uh, do some of the panels. Um, and uh, so bullets, brothels, and bots. A Westworld podcast will be represented at this convention. Um, speaking of later in the year, uh, August, uh, Mike, you're actually going to be representing, uh, bullets, brothels and bots at another convention. What's that one? Uh, God willing. Yeah, that should be scare, um, scares the care weekend in, uh, Williamsburg, Virginia. Uh, this is scares the care weekend five. Um, and again, all the money there that's raised that. That uh, goes to charity. All the money that the convention raises goes to charity. Uh, a lot of the celebrity guests also will contribute uh, stuff. And it's a lot of fun. It's actually a very family-friendly convention. Uh, and they have all sorts of stuff, to, again, to help raise money. They have a 5K uh, walk or run or crawl, in my case. Uh, they have, you know, the, the, their typical costume competitions and, uh, they, you know, and a lot of other stuff. They have like an activity room for kids, but they'll also have their celebrities. Some of which, like, I think Dud Bradley is going to be there. Uh, also, uh, some of the actors from, uh, Sons of Anarchy, uh, usually Kane Hodder and, um, uh, Sid Haig show up. Although I don't know if Sid Haig is going to be busy filming with the new devil Re devil's reject movie. Um, but I don't know if either one has been officially announced. Anyway, you can go to their website, and I'll be there, uh, hopefully participating in the uh, uh, podcast track. And I did a couple of podcast panels last year and hope to do a couple more this year. Uh, and I'll also be joined by Elizabeth Catherine Gray of the Archivist Bet on Sexy Witches podcast, uh, and who also uh, participated in a couple of my panels with me this year, as well as uh, last year and the year before that. And who was also, by the way, uh, part of the uh, Dark Discussions Facebook group. That's right. So uh, folks who want to uh, uh, talk to us, um, search for Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group. A lot of Westworld talk is going on there. Now we will uh, add you. And of course you can email darkdiscussions at aol.com um, where um, we will read your emails on the podcast. Unfortunately, uh, this week, Sean Fox, one of our uh, listeners did not send us an email. Uh, he may probably tonight, but we may be already done recording by then. Um, and then, or uh, he might have a life. <laughs> that is true. That is true. And uh, Elizabeth Catherine did not uh, did not really comment much. Um, but I know she was on an airplane heading off somewhere because she usually uh, gives us some information to read off as well on each episode of Bullets, Brothels, and Bots. Uh, but I think she went on vacation. Um, Again, the whole life thing. Yes, life. Yes. Um, but, uh, Eric, uh, one other thing we're doing in August as well. Oh, shit. we got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, in August, we will be meeting up in Mystic, Connecticut on the weekend of the 25th. Uh, so on Saturday the 25th, I believe the plan at this point is to uh, hit a movie and afterwards record a quote-unquote quote live podcast that is all of us in the same place at the same time recording. Uh, and we would love to meet up with any listeners out there who would like to join us for the movie and or the podcast. So if you're interested, send an email to darkdiscussions.aol.com and Phil can give you the deets. So uh, make your plans. Yeah, that's right. So uh, email darkdiscussions.aol.com and we will give you all the details for any of these three events 
that we will be at and uh, always uh, willing to have uh, listeners join us and uh, always good to talk to some folks. Uh, Scaricom, uh, we meet a, a bunch of folks, uh, Anthony Thurber being one, um, and uh, met, a, met a lot of good uh, people at a bunch of these conventions. Um, now, uh, any, any Westworld information specifically? I don't think we really brought anything up, but there may not be any news. I, I know there's some thing going around about uh, we mentioned it a little bit on last episode where um, there's a type of architect um, in one of the, I think in Bernard's, or, or I should say, uh, not Bernard, what, what was he called prior? when he Arnold. was Arnold's. Arnold's apartment or something. And it may mean something to the bigger yeah, picture. Yeah. I haven't read it. I haven't That's read a stretch. it. Yeah, so I purposely avoided reading these articles on like last year or uh, two years ago when season one came out. Um, so people can check that out. There's a link to it on the Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group. Uh, any other stuff? Anything? Nope. Nope. All right. So I guess we can uh, get into our uh, discussion of uh, the latest episode. And uh, before we do, I have some uh, details about it. It's called Fir- Virtue e Fortuna. Uh, I'm not sure what language or what that means, but that's the name of the episode. I didn't bother. It's like Latin. Yeah, I think you could be right. Oh, here it is. Or it's French. Yeah, yeah, it could be that. It's French because of the little accent. Oh, yeah, okay. All right. Um, It was uh, directed by uh, Richard J. Lewis. Uh, Richard J. Lewis is a Toronto Canadian filmmaker, mostly uh, television shows. Um, not many movies, but mostly t- TV episodes. Uh, and the writers are Roberto Patino, American screenwriter of um, Sons of Anarchy for, and so forth, mostly TV. And then Ron Fitzgerald, another American screenwriter, and he's mostly known as the showrunner or the producer of season four of Friday Night Lights. Uh, but he also um, uh, wrote some for the Showtime television show weeds uh so um no no big names necessarily um but um that's the folks behind this episode all right so uh, we don't have to get into westworld and its history we've done that before showrunners and who originated and all that so i guess we can begin and discuss everything and anything we want about this episode we will have uh and talk about spoilers but uh before we do that let's uh, go around and see what we thought of this uh episode so let's start with you mike Okay, uh, this one is a little bit more straightforward than the one we watched last week, which was hopping around all over the place in the timeline. Um, moves the ball down the field just a bit. Uh, what is my thought? I liked the episode. There were some cool moments kind of in the end uh, with the uh, big battle at Fort, uh, what it was, Forlorn Hope? Forlorn? Yeah, Fort so, Forlorn yeah. Hope. Fort Forlorn Hope. Uh, no Man in Black this week, correct? None. Uh, but you're starting to get some pieces put together. Bernard makes an interest, a, a discovery that the audience is not uh, privy to. Uh, I think we actually, where last week felt like it was more filling in backstory, this is the one that really felt like it's moving the story forward. And I think there's some interesting developments, obviously, with... 
with uh, Bernard and with Dolores. I think there's some with Maeve. We also got to see our first glimpse, finally, of and spend some time in our first uh, non-Westworld world, which was the Passage to India world, or uh, I think they're calling it Raj world. Yes, some people are calling it Raj World, yes. Well, no, yeah, I think that's British what it's... Raj, period. Uh, right, that's Raj what I got in my email from the Westworld people. Oh, really? Okay. I'm pretty sure it was, for, it was Raj World. I'll have to you double get check. emails from the Westworld people? Yeah, if you, yeah, it says from Aiden. It's uh, from Dealer's Destinations. Explore the Raj. <laughs> for dear valued cl- so this is so every week you get an email from Delos if you went to the website and signed up for like their spam. Uh, it says, forget dear valued client. For guests looking for narratives and thrills beyond Westworld, we recommend the Raj as your next vacation. A bunch of text that I, that's in Hindi, I'm guessing, that I can't possibly read. The Raj is sure to bring out the lover or hunter in you. What better <laughs> way to indulge in a new era of Delos destinations? Best regards, Aiden, guest services host. And then it has a picture of the Raj. And then you have the link to the narrative spotlight, which is about the uh, inside dealers, the uh, making of the fort and that the whole battle that takes place there. So it's fun. You get if I would strongly recommend signing up to the Westworld thing because they're enjoying uh, playing these little games with this. Yeah, and, and they're like they don't. I mean, it's not like you where we've seen in some movies or TV shows where. You have to find information outside the movie. This is really just additional stuff for the TV show rather than things you have to find out outside of the movie, right? Or outside of the TV show. In, yep. in other words, in other words, um, we've had problems where we've seen movies and stuff where um, things aren't answered, and then you go on the internet and you read, and they, they stuff. It's like, oh, okay, but it was very not, you know, not clear at all. Um, but here, this is just adding filler to the. The, I guess the world itself rather than um, answering questions necessarily. So that's kind of cool. Um, and and Mike, how do you sign up for this? You just go to westworld.com or something? Or I'm guessing that's what I must have done a year ago or so. Or two years ago, probably. Or two years ago, whenever it came out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, all right. So uh, any further thoughts on, on this episode, Mike? Or you, you done? No, well, we'll get into more detail, I hope, uh, as time goes on. Sounds good. Uh, all right, Eric. Uh, I liked it. Uh, I enjoyed the new park. And we uh, almost get to another one at the end of the episode, so I can't wait to get there. Um, this is the set of characters that I am most interested in, so I enjoyed this episode more than the last. I think that they've made a decision, just like they did with Game of Thrones, and it seems to work out better in the long run which is rather than try and cram every character into every episode, uh, they take a subset and concentrate on the subset in any individual episode so they can put more story along with each character. And I think it's a good way to do things. So I am enjoying that they're taking that approach to Westworld. And I'll be interested to see where everything heads next week. Uh, we got some people teaming back up this week. We got some more plot moving forward, and we got our first answer of the season. So that's all good. All right, very good. Um, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I, I think it was a, a solid episode. Um, it didn't overwhelm me uh, as much as last week. I, I loved last week's episode, um, but it, it was it was good, and it was good to see. Um, 
some uh, characters that hadn't been really focused on at least a pair. Uh, we saw uh, one character that hadn't appeared yet this season appear, and then another one uh, a little bit, and we'll talk about both of them as we, we go on. Um, uh, so yeah, it, it was it was it was pretty good. Um, I did like. Um, I was worried that I wasn't going to like the change from Westworld to the other parks, but uh, I think they did it pretty well, and uh, we'll we'll get into those as well, which was the the Raj world and maybe the the samurai world. Um, so yeah, that's my thoughts. Uh, now I have a general question uh, for you guys um, about Westworld and this type these type of shows, which is ensemble casts and Eric the reason I, I'm thinking of this question now is because you you brought it up when you were saying how they're focusing on certain characters per episode now and uh, it actually makes those episodes stronger rather than bumping around and trying to get everybody and every character involved um, and instead focus on specifics um, do you think these ensemble casts are are the way television is going because you know the the older days uh whether it's x-files or, or whatever it used to be you know the main two characters and then a little backstory of the the, the special mm-hmm. guest characters but here as well as game of thrones as well as lost and various other shows these things are are becoming more and more prominent or at least they feel that way um I'm, i've always been a fan of this in in novels so, like, Michael Crichton novels were, like, always awesome, in my opinion, because of his ensemble cast. Stephen King does that a lot, too. Uh, and not surprisingly, Westworld's based off of Michael Crichton work. Um, what do you guys think about ense- this ensemble TV and, and what what this means? Um, is this just a trend? Well, uh, no, I don't think it's just a trend. However, I don't think all television is headed that way. Uh, I think you've got a lot more latitude to do things this way if you're a company like HBO, who is willing to spend millions and millions of dollars on their uh, production value. Whereas when you're on a network show, the strings are probably a little tighter. So I think you're st- you're still going to get your a lot of TV shows, you know, with your you know three or four central characters, uh, but. At the same time, I think you will see more ensemble cast, but it won't be everything. Mike, your opinion? Yeah, I think TV's always kind of, well, not always, has done this well for a long time. Uh, you know, like, I'm a Star Trek nerd, so I'll go back to the original series. Had a technically an ensemble cast, but it was pretty much the Kirk and Spock show. Typical. Yeah, with, with a lot of bones and then an occasional hailing frequencies open from somebody else, you know, or setting cores, Captain, you know. And maybe they would get an episode, but they were never – even the episodes that they were featuredly heavily in, they didn't get their own. When you got to Next Generation, uh, it was still a very heavily Picard ep- uh, series, uh, but everyone often got one or two episodes per, per season. But you also think about series like um, – you know, ER or Hill Street Blues or, you know, even if they, you had a main character, the other characters often got a lot of development. Speaking um, of ER, yeah, Michael Crichton. Michael Crichton. Um, and even TV show sitcoms, you know. Um, geez, you get... 
something like Cheers, you know, had an ensemble cast. And again, you're right, you know, Ted Danson and Shelley Long or Ted Danson and Kirstie Alley were the, the stars, but everybody else got featured. It just kind of shifted more and more heavily in that direction as they've gotten more complicated in storytelling and telling storytelling over long arcs. Um, it's made it easier to juggle that ensemble. Now, you still get shows like Breaking Bad, which is pretty much the Walter White show. Um, but that's going to be less the case. So, uh, Mike, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I guess, yeah, all the way back to uh, Crichton's original ER at Nevermind Star Trek and stuff. Um, it has been there, I guess. Yeah. So, But I guess the, the ones that we're doing episodes on, podcasts on, happen to be um, shows that just have ensemble cast, I guess. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think Breaking Bad... And before Breaking Bad, Sopranos was certainly a prestige show that focused on one character. I'll go with, um, I'm trying to think, uh, Homeland is a, it's got a small ensemble cast, but it mostly focuses on one character. Um, House. House was a show right there that focused on primarily one character. Again, a lot of support. So they're there. It's just, I think, a matter of the format of the show. And the, the more ambitious the storytelling the more you have to expand the supporting cast. And it, it depends on what your definition of an ensemble is, too, because in, in some ways, all television shows are ensemble casts, but the ones we're covering are massive ensemble casts. Right, um, with the very rare exception of something like um, The Fugitive or The Incredible Hulk, which was The Fugitive with The Hulk, <laughs> um, where you just have one character going from town to town writing wrongs and then running away at the end so that you didn't have to pay anybody to come back the next week. Right. Right. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. All right. That's interesting. Um, and, um, for whatever reason, Westworld and uh, game of Thrones. Well, actually we know why, because they're, they're good shows, but, um, they're fairly popular shows. Um, and the one common trait is ensemble cast. It was just something that was, that I thought of at the, the spur of the moment when you, Eric, mentioned um, how this episode focused on different characters uh, than last week's and so forth. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, cool observation, actually. Um, all right, so let's let's talk about some of this episode here. Um, yeah, it was a, another cold opening, meaning they they did show you know previously on at least the way I watched it, which was HBO Now, um, but. They went right into Raj World. Um, they didn't go into the credits until after that whole scene. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I think this that was the second time out of the three episodes they've done that uh, this this year. Um, so <laughs> it was fairly well, disconcerting because you're like, okay, yeah. Am I uh, watching who, the live show? Who who are these people? Where are they? What are they doing? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I if if they didn't have the the credits, I'm not the credits. The, um, previously on, I would have been like, "Am I on the right show or not?" You know, <laughs> right. Um, but well, yeah, my, yeah, I was just running into a question. I'm like, this, 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 this is, this is the the passage to India world. This is this is what they do for an inner me. I was like, this just seems so so bizarre like this come be the british imperialists and oppress the natives come and 
<laughs> well, I was thinking that at first too, Mike. I was, I was too. Like, but then I was thinking it's supposed to be more of the the um, passage to India type of stuff, or, or the more romanticized version than what you were implying. Well, yeah, well, look, I'm far from the, the social justice warrior type, but at the same time, I mean, the inherent narratives of the West, other than shooting the Indians, which, you know, that, that bad, but, you know, the the gunslingers and the, the and, and the saloons and the, you know, the hookers and, and all the rest, there, there's, you know, you get that, you get the appeal and the excitement and the adventure of that, and, you know, it just, when you have two white people with their host manservants who are all natives. It's just such a weird thing to think that in the future, no, they'll be okay with this. I felt, that, I felt that too. Yeah, you know, <laughs> well, no, here's the thing though, is that these, these parks seem to have been specifically designed for people who want to do socially unacceptable things. And this is one of them. Yeah. That's a fair, that's a fair point. And when they brought up the idea of hunting big game, I thought, okay, well, I guess personally, I if I'm hunting big game, well, artificial big game, animatronic big game, like a jungle cruise type of big game, I'm thinking Africa better than India myself, because you not just have the Indians, uh, by not the Indians, uh, you don't just have the uh, the elephants, but you have the rhinos and the the, the lions and. You know, water buffalo and giraffes and all this other stuff. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, the giraffes cracked me up. I'm sure people do actually hunt giraffes. I've they never do. stopped and thought about it before. They, they do. They do. It uh, just seems like a more obvious, like if I'm building, if I'm doing, let's say I'm designing a video game where hunting is a big thing mm-hmm. and I can't make one about hunting in Jurassic World, then Africa seems to be the most obvious place to do it. So it's just such a weird fantasy for them to cater to. But it is World 6, and based on the email I, just, I read, you said the new, you know, their newest offering, so I'm guessing this is the latest world. So I'm going to, and so we know one of them is going to be uh, Shogun World. And so they, they had to get through at least four, uh, three other worlds before they got to British imperialist world, right? <laughs> yeah, that's 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 true. Good point, Mike. Um, though, though the 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 Shogun world, um, I don't know if that would have been considered offensive as a British imperialist world, uh, a Raj world, if you prefer. So, but, yeah, but a, but, but a Shogun world. I mean, if you you could get the Japanese developers in there to inform the narratives and tell that story. You could tell a story of Japan from the perspective of the Japanese. This was picking, let's pick a period in India while they were being oppressed by the British. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, um, that's a fair point. It, it's, it's just odd. It's just really odd. And because especially something that's set in, you know, something that's made today and set in the future. So I don't, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, like I said, it's it's a fantasy, and you're right. This is it's supposed to be appealing. romanticized. India right. is is what they were trying to get at. Yeah. Right. Just just as they sort of romanticized and the Indians in Westworld, and they made sure that the 
<clears throat> quote unquote bad Indians are all covered in white paint, so you can't really tell what color they are. So that's a fair point, Mike. Yeah, yeah, similar to that uh, to- Bone Tomahawk film where the natives weren't called the natives, or the Peter Jackson uh, King Kong where the natives on those islands were all slathered in makeup, so you couldn't really tell exactly their ethnicity. Right, right. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's, it, it was it was a curious thing. I mean, I felt the exact same thing you Mike, when I was watching it. That it was a weird world. That I mean, it wasn't a weird world. I could see why they would want to have a romanticized version um, of that world, but I, I just couldn't see it actually making it through without you know having real world complaints if. We saw the backstory of when they were building this world, you know. Yeah, I'm really curious to because I haven't really looked much online. Just, there any- just, just wait till we get the plantation world. <laughs> <laughs> the romanticized version Come on, of, the of, Jenga of the world. Yeah. yeah. Oh, jeez. You could fight your own slaves. Yeah, it's oh, or, or the Crusades world, or, or, <laughs> or Soviet Russia world, or you know, or East, op- Eastern Bloc world. Oh, opium den worlds, you know the. Oh, uh, uh, we stop. Incurred <laughs> <laughs> world, hands made tail world. <laughs> the play oh, world. <laughs> so there we go. There we go, listeners. That's what we want. What is your most politically incorrect world that you can come up with? <laughs> I think we most of the highlights. <laughs> oh, oh. My God, that's so terrible, but. So oddly uh, true. <laughs> so anywho, <laughs> back to the episode. Yeah, we got to move on. Oh, we, yes. we, it's, the 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 uh, the weirdness is noted. Just is. just moving on. Moving on. Uh, so basically, it is these two characters: uh, a pretty hot woman and a pretty hot guy that meet up. Uh, they're Caucasian. Um, or at least European Caucasian, and um, the woman does not believe he is a person. She believes that he is a robot because he's too good looking. So she shoots him. So she shoots him, <laughs> and since he survives, because you can't with, kill with permission. Well, kind of, not really, but you know, he wanted to get in her dress, so I'm oh, sure he, was he wanted it. Yeah, so. She finds out that he is actually a human and not just a robot to, that was sent to please her as a guest, and so they go off to get you know to do the uh, what's the word that you call use Eric the word boink boink they boink yes 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 um, and then and then all hell breaks loose um, well, at least well after they boink they they went on their actual uh, safari. It's when right. they got to their destination that all hell broke loose. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right, exactly. And and by hell you mean tiger? Well, oh, yeah. no, tiger. there were problems before the tiger. Uh, there was a host that tried to kill them. Actually, did kill him. Yeah. Uh, tried tried to kill her, but she was quick on the draw. And then uh, she ran into the juggle and uh, came face to face with Mister Tiger, uh, who is. A host, but uh, yeah, we'll kill you nonetheless, I think, at this point. So she yeah. ran away from the tiger, and she's uh, still got her gun, 
And apparently she's been to this park enough times that she knows her way around and she knew where the border of the park was. So she headed that way and actually exited that park. And the tiger followed her. It's just like a up, laser, too. You notice that? So it's almost yeah, like, yeah. And I think when it's almost like a dog call-up thing, right? Yeah, so I think it, when everything's functioning the way it should be, the tiger would not have been able to follow her. Uh, but clearly, things are not functioning the way they're supposed to. So he, the tiger, follows her, and she ends up on this cliff over uh, a body of water. Uh, I initially thought it was a lake in the first episode, but apparently, it's a river. Um, Maybe. Yeah, but there, there's a river and there's a lake, right? The lake was a, there was a river was a part of it, and oh, and there's an ocean too, or a sea, right? Well, I, I got confused from the first episode because at the first episode I thought they were on the edge of a sea, of, of like the ocean, uh, but this is not the ocean. And then from the shot at the end of the episode, it looks like a river, but whatever. Uh, the tiger charges at her on the cliffside, and she shoots it, uh, but is going full bore at that point, and and has jumped at her. Uh, and knocks her off the cliff, and then cut the credits. Yeah, right, right. So this is a was a curious introduction to another world, as we noted the oddness of this world. <laughs> um, but um, it shows that this other Delos Park is having the same functionality problems as uh, the original Westworld Park as well. Um, Which is interesting to me. I'm wondering if the control center that we saw um, all the people in Westworld is just for Westworld or not, or whether it controls other parks too. Yeah, that's a good point, Eric. Um, Because remember when they were walking around, they saw one of the Shogun. Yeah, that's that's a good point too. Yeah, I don't don't know. Um, I, I thought... Based off of how they at least showed it last year with with the English woman running the park, it always seemed like it was specific to Westworld and Westworld alone. Right. But, but maybe not. Maybe 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 uh, that was one of the the, the quote unquote rewrite issues they were doing, Eric. Well, it may be that there's different uh, like floors or different levels because when we see oh, them, okay, yeah, yeah, touring, right? Like every time we see the map. Which I just keep flashing to Doctor Strangelove. They'll see the big board, but we see the map. That feels like it's they're focusing on Westworld, right? And, you know, nobody ever says, "Hey, let's zoom in on on India." Um, but maybe India is the floor up. Yeah, or floor saying. up, or floor down, or floor gotcha. yeah. And we saw there's plenty of abandoned floors for them to use from last season. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. Now here's a thought because I was reading one article. Uh, might have been Variety. I don't remember this talking about it. And they said, well, it looks like this happened based on the timing the same time it happened over in Westworld, that this all happened right. simultaneously. But Westworld happened at night, right, journey into night, and this happened during the day. So it makes me wonder, is one, is this like it happened at night oh, and they didn't find okay. out about it until the next morning? Or are these two worlds on different day-night cycles, so that's something they can control in the park? Oh, so so it's it's like that Truman Show where it's a bubble. Yeah. Well, that's a possibility. So I'm just saying. So either it's not exactly happening at the same time, or they didn't realize that it happened when it happened, or um, or there there is a different like a di- right a different environmental setting for each world. Hmm. I don't know that's which it is. Right, right. 
Yeah, like like the Hunger Games or something. That so are we? I, I mean, I'm not assuming this is coincidence. I'm assuming this is all connected, right? But now, does that mean that Ford was telling narratives on these other parks, or is this uh, a virus or something, something to the storytelling that was intended to cascade through and hit the others as well? Mm. I'm curious. I'm really curious to see how this all works out. Is this something that either, well, Maeve or Dolores has done? Uh, because we we are, we are just getting a sense of how much chaos was being caused behind the scenes, right? In in the time that we were away, uh-huh. you know, um, and we just saw some of it with uh, uh, Armistice, right? So we really don't know what was going on in the in the Mesa. Mm. So. They'll be, I don't know, I'm sure they'll answer those questions later if they choose to. Right, right. Yeah, it'll be curious, too, if um, Ford, right? I mean, because obviously Ford was, wasn't in uh, every scene of last season. So was he off and about working at all the parks? Or, I can't imagine. Yeah, or was he just focusing on Westworld, and then they just have, um, you know, groups of people that are using his software to run the other you know worlds i guess well okay you actually brought up a, a an important point there because they're trying to smuggle out the information of how the robots actually work that's what the whole peter abernathy subplot is about right so if they knew that then they would they wouldn't need ford for the rest of the worlds but since they don't know that it seems like they would need him Right? Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a good question. Because the whole the whole thing here is that Ford has not shared the source code with the corporation. Uh, that's why uh, what's her name, Charlotte, is desperately trying to smuggle that out of the park so the corporation has it available to them. Or, or maybe I'm wrong about what's in Peter Abernathy. That's that's also potential because um, we know they've been collecting information on all the guests too maybe that's what's in his brain who knows that's a good question too yeah yeah is it everything or is it specific to ford or 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 whatever because originally i even thought it could have been um um company espionage maybe and and maybe mm-hmm. tessa charlotte's working for a different company but but then based off of what we saw and last, uh, the, or I should say the first episode of this season, it seems like she actually works for the company. It isn't espionage. And she told Bernard, I, th- or I thought, no, she didn't tell Bernard, did she? No. Tell no, him so what? That, that Abernathy has that stuff in it. because No, saw- she told Bernard it's none of his damn business what's in him. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So so yeah, who knows who she really works for and what the intent is. Well, and also, oh, you know what, Eric? It could even be military plans because they're saying is that weapon, you remember that Dolores mentioned it last uh, week? I think that's misdirection. I don't think it's an actual weapon. No, um, no, but but like maybe technical plans for how to build a nuclear bomb, you know, like how I, again, I don't think it's actual anything weapon. I, I think it's information. Um, 
I think one way or another, everything in this season is going to come back around to the fact that William back in the day had the intentional plan to collect DNA and uh, information on all the guests. Right. And not just to sell them Facebook ads. Right. I think whatever their plan was for that information, it's going to be a, a very key uh, to the plot of this season. Right. And there was a line from the last episode where <clears throat> Papadelos says something like, I'm, you know, they're being forced to retire, but eh, maybe not. Um, and again, re- alluding to his health, you know. So, is there something they're working on? And I, I, this is something I mentioned, possibly in terms of a cure. Are they making robot bodies for possible human uploads? Are they looking at robot yeah, duplicates, they, like Future World? Have they found um, a way to upload a consciousness into one of those little white pods? Right, and I think. I think I'm guessing that they have how the they know how the bodies work. I think it's how the brains work. That's the real issue. That's the hard part. Mm-hmm. That that would be my guess. Right. Uh, and so I have a feeling that that's what is the information in Abernathy's head. Gotcha. That's my guess. And I and I do think that this is. The weapon is no more a weapon than the maze was actually a maze. Right, right. And so you're saying that the company just wants to take their already owned intellectual property and get it away from one or two hands. I mean, Eric, you you know what I'm talking about. Like, if you work at a company mm-hmm. and there's there's one person that you hate that works for the company, but he runs. Um, the the financial system and no one else knows how to program it no you know the pro you know doesn't know any of the code behind it and maybe not even know the password but this guy does but you can't just fire him because if you do right you, you know so maybe even though all that programming and technically even the password is your your property since it is company property people can still keep it from you and so maybe that's what they're doing where they're trying to grab the stuff that is theirs anyway and actually have it um, uh, in their own possession and, and available to them rather than stuck in behind passwords and all this other crap that Ford, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's possible. Another, another thing as well. So they're, they're not even stealing um, for another company. They're stealing their own property. Which is messed up, but it might be the case. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so uh, it'll be curious uh, what Abernathy has to do with it, but um, I mean, you know, the whole plot and wh- where it's going, but um, he does have some interesting aspects specifically for a Dolores, and um, I guess we can talk about that. Um, either now, actually, when, when do you want to talk about it? Let's yeah, talk about it now. Yeah, right. um, I, I thought it was kind of interesting because Dolores has been on this whole war path and she gets distracted in this episode because she runs into her pops from one of the storylines. And even though she's aware of the fact that she's been told what her storylines are and realizes that those are not quote unquote real. She still thinks of this person as her father, and he's clearly not doing well, and she wants to try and help him. 
Right, right. And it makes it more interesting, too, is the fact that the last time we saw her father in season one, uh, he was played by a different uh, host. There was a scene where they show her talking to her father, um, and it was a different host after they had retired Peter Abernathy. So, um, right, and they retired Peter Abernathy. Because he was glitching, because he took a look at that photo from the outside world. Right. So he was not really 100% operational to begin with. And then they kind of scraped his brain uh, bare of all but just the the very least personality they could get away with and still have it function uh, in order to put this massive amount of information they're trying to s- smuggle out of the park. And, and my guess is they did a really ham-fisted job of it. Uh, well, it's because what's-his-fuck did it, right? Lee Sizemore, the, the guy who's right. an idiot and writes all the stories. Right, if they let, if they let Felix do it, I'm sure it would have <laughs> come out much better. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, and so, this, I, I find this really interesting because you do get that tender moment of vulnerability with uh, Dolores you get that moment of Bernard, who's starting to malfunction again because his ear is leaking. Right. Uh, coming to, he sees what's there, right? He gets, it's like, you don't want to use the one-time pass key or whatever it is, password. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he does, which is going to fuck everything up if they let him out in the park, out of the park now, because, <laughs> sorry, it's already been used. Right. Um, so now I guess that would mean, the, does that mean Bernard has the knowledge that they'll need? So did you? Uh, I'm wondering if Bernard downloaded it all onto his tablet. Oh, oh, and and he was just lying to her, mm-hmm. or, or saying half truths to Dolores. Right. Be well, or, or, or to be honest, because I mean, he had it he hooked up. A copy of it. Yeah, he had he had the tablet hooked up to him, and saw what was on there. So I'm thinking maybe he downloaded it to his tablet, and whoever gets a hold of Peter Abernathy is it's going to be it's useless. Or because that certainly useful, seems to be the case later, right? When uh, he, when they jump forward in time and he runs into uh, Charlotte, or there's yeah, you're right because that that's the next scene after the credits is um. Charlotte's asking him whatever happened to Peter Abernathy's character. And now I bet you next week or, or whenever we go back to the storyline, when they go back to the two weeks later, you know, wherever Abernathy is, it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. at least to Arnold, I mean, to, to Bernard's opinion, because he actually has it himself. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's an excellent, excellent point, Eric. But it is, yeah. it is a red herring, and... The question is, we lost, we last saw her with Peter Abernathy. So what happened to Peter Abernathy between now and then? Even though it doesn't really matter. It does matter, I think, because he was her father for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone pointed out, uh, which I liked, is that he makes the, uh, I can't remember what it, what quote he Remember from last season, he said he was a Shakespearean actor. He was an actor, and so he quoted Shakespeare. Yeah, and it sounded like he was becoming evil. And then Bernard or whoever was talking—no, it was a 
it was a fool it says oh he was a shakespearean story and this is just him quoting off his when he was playing Macbeth or something right so here he was quoting he tonight and this episode he quoted king lear which if you know king lear is the story of you know the king is sort of becoming a doddering old fool and ailing health and you know is his daughter's looking after him so that's an interesting uh parallel now you have again between him and Dolores so I'm wondering if this is going to be a way to tap into the humanitarian side of Dolores again uh, she'll probably could if she has access now to all of her memories directly uh, in a way that Teddy doesn't Teddy just seems to have been shown his old memories I don't think he knows them because he didn't know who uh, this Peter Abernathy was right uh, he would just know the latest incarnation right right well, so Dolores and- it's only been two or three days with the new dad. Well, and also, it seems in this episode that Dolores is trying to uh, get Teddy to bootstrap his consciousness like she did. Because that was what Ford really did for her, was had her do this, the, the quote-unquote maze. Uh, was basically having her inner monologue uh, bring her to consciousness. And I think she's trying to get Teddy to start doing that by getting him to remember things and showing him the truth, and it's not working. Uh, well, and we and we see the and we see the the ultimate realization of that later in the episode when she tells him to go kill somebody and he doesn't do it, he lets well, him go. Well, that's that's where I don't know if if your point is a hundred percent correct, Eric, because you could read it two ways. One is it's not working as you stated and the two is it's working but he just has a different type of personality than her in other words he's not a murdering scumbag and she can say mur- you know murder somebody and he's just not going to do it because that's not the person he is or in this uh, case the the entity that he is okay you, you know right she has yeah she has two personalities written into her and right. is trying to juggle him. And right now, the Wyatt personality is emerged. Yeah, she does introduce herself as Wyatt at one point in this episode. Right. And, um, yeah, we saw the Dolores personality come out when she deals with that. Mm-hmm. And we see that she she sees Teddy not kill the guy. She's clearly disappointed in him, but she doesn't do anything about it. Yet. Right, yet. And so all of that is all of this is provisional, um, but we've been questioning this, and uh, the, you know, it, it does seem like Teddy is not on board with what completely with what Dolores is doing, and this could be that you know he's going to take his journey in his own way, right? And because he's got the singular programming where she has the two, um, he's not going to get those mixed messages, and if he has any awakening. He's, there's no reason why he wouldn't have to stay, wouldn't stay true to who he is. Right, right. That was my point, exactly. That his awakening can happen, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to want to fight and kill or whatever. It could mean that you want peace or you want to give empathy or mercy to folk. True, um, and there's also the fact that they're programming. See, this is so weird, the way they're doing this, and I, I kind of love it which is that their programming still has an influence over them, even though they're, they're gaining consciousness. 
for instance, there's that scene in this episode where at one point, uh, what's his face? Lee Sizemore is saying something to, to Maeve and she's like, you don't know me. And then she starts to say something and he says it right along with her because it's one of the lines that he wrote. Right. He's like, yeah, so maybe I do know you a little bit, just a little. <laughs> so it, it's, it's interesting. So that's a, that's a valid point, Phil. Yeah. And, and another thing too, that um, is curious too, is that Dolores Again, when she said kill these people, uh, Teddy, these people that she wants killed aren't humans. They're actually robots mm-hmm. and or hosts, if you prefer. So in her eyes, whether they're hosts or they're people, everything is just a tool to get ultimately what she wants, which is the yes. revenge on people itself. So she's I mean, she true- totally sacrificed the Confederados <laughs> in this episode. Right, uh, just to use them as kind of a shield. Right, and those that did survive are the ones that she has lined up against the wall, like like uh, the Nazis would, or the Russians, or the Chinese would do, it and just shoot them down, mm-hmm. uh, and then throw them into the you know the pit. And right. Teddy refuses to to do that uh, because he um, doesn't want to. Right, right, right. And well, this is actually goes back to the the title of the episode, which I looked up. Okay. Um, because the, the it's the virtu virtu a fortuna or something like that, and the virtue virtue. What language is it? I find I don't remember. Uh, okay. I don't think it might be Latin. Yep. But basically, um, the 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 uh, virtue v r v i r t u, whatever language it was originally, um, refers. In, in, well, at least one version, it could refer to an artistic virtue, but it also could refer to specifically sort of manly virtue. And one of those things being um, a bit of being actually a ruthlessness, right? The 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 to get things done. And the the phrase virtua virtue e fortuna, I guess, is something from I think Machiavelli. You know, of the you know uh, a kind of taking control, taking power. You know, and that is certainly what Dolores did. And you know, even the the introducing herself as Wyatt, uh, and the Confederate captain or general or whatever he was when he sees her, he says, "Well, who's the sweet plum leading your group?" She's she mans up in this, right? She puts and she introduces herself as as Wyatt. She puts her manly virtues forward, takes charge, acts as the battlefield general, uh, and then. Seizes her goal by sacrificing the pawns, which were the Confederate troops. Right. And I'm sure this I I have badly butchered the actual Machiavelli thing because I you know haven't studied Machiavelli or philosophy. Um, but um, maybe someone out there can can enlighten us more. Uh, but I think that's kind of what this is referring to. Hmm. All right. All right. That's interesting. Now, that the case is is that supposed to be a positive thing or a negative thing? I guess because by sacrificing the quote unquote pawns, she's it's it's an interesting battle plan and it works. 
But then, obviously, after the fact, she's willing to just execute anybody that survived, meaning hosts that survived that aren't on board. Um, and I felt that was making her... I don't know. It's just a she's a weird character because, like you said, she shows the warmth and all that with the dad, and is now the caregiver of the elderly father that can't think properly anymore. And then the you know earlier and after, she's a mass murderer again. So it's it's just an interesting character. Well, she goes well, from being say that like it's a bad thing, right? She has complexity, but she goes from being like so putting forth her sort of these quote-unquote manly traits, right? the battlefield general, the strength, I am Wyatt, and then melts into Teddy's arms when she sees her father, right, and mm-hmm. seeks comfort in them. So she's got this dichotomy, this duality, and the reality is all of us have some of that, right? Nobody is, you know, necessarily a 100% uh, stereotypical male or stereotypical female. We all have some mixture of those stereotyped traits because we're not mostly stereotypes. We're real flesh-and-blood human beings, with a mixture of traits. You know, you don't just see people who are easily categorized as good or bad. We all have varying shades, which will tie into the movie that we're going to talk about on Thursday. Ah. True. Um, So, but uh, as far as it being a good or bad thing, I think Machiavelli would say it was a good thing. I think Confederate soldiers would say probably not so much. Right, right. Uh, well, and, and to be honest, if if there was a tribunal, she would be arrested and and executed for war crimes and genocides and who knows what else. At least I would think so. Unless there's side one. That's true. That's true. And then, then there would just be internal purges that would kill her. She'd be a hero. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, yeah, it's a frightening thought to, to be honest Eric uh, but yes yeah that's a, that's a good point um, but then again she could be trumped up on charges because if Teddy was still alive and and he was on the good side of the winners they, he would say her crimes were this and they would arrest her and then put her to the gallows I don't think that's how that would go mm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Dolores' character uh, has an interesting growth. Her The characters that she, her army that she got last week, it appears were just for one and a half episodes. Um, and then now we have other robots that are let go by Teddy. And so I'm assuming unless they are, have their programs changed, they may seek revenge against her. But who knows? Um, but she could kill him again, right? And then have him be reprogrammed like what she did last time? Perhaps. Um, all right. So uh, any further things on the Dolores storyline that, that we want to talk about? Um, just I think it's worth noting that at the end of the battle at the fort, which, by the way, was awesome and had a huge explosion, which is cool. Uh, Charlotte came in and took away Peter Abernathy uh, and she did like a Terminator thing uh, trying to get him back storming across the battlefield taking several shots and just not breaking pace but they got away in one of their little dune buggy things right right and then the other thing was is that Clementine um, for whatever reason takes out Bernard 
and then takes him away somewhere. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah. I, I thought that was an odd thing because, oh, no, no, that's not true because Bernard was technically a prisoner. So Clementine was just t- making sure that he didn't escape. So, yeah, right, it, it makes sense after all. The actress but, that plays Clementine, by the way, is doing a phenomenal job because at the end of season one, she was kind of wiped and then just bottomized had a, almost, uh, yeah. yeah, she she was wiped and then had just a very basic personality put back in place. Yeah. And the actress is doing a fantastic job with that because she is not the same person she was last season. Angela Sarafin. Right, she 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 looks like The Walking Dead, right? She looks yeah, she's still hot though. Uh, whatever corpseification you're into, but um, <laughs> but yeah, but she she does. I mean, she. I don't know how much personality she has left. We know she's damaged. We know she was lobotomized. Right. We also know, but just and we also know Peter Abernathy went through the same thing, right? Right. Yeah, because so, they were all did, shut down did, and and put into that basement room. Yeah. Never mind. That, I I. I, I stopped myself from making an invalid point. Okay, no problem. Uh, so yeah, yes, but she's like almost like uh, I'm trying to think of. Uh, she's almost like those those white robots, right? That we saw the drone robots. Yeah, the drone. She's almost like a drone now. Kind of. Well, yeah, but didn't they show in the previously on Westworld? Like showing them put the drill up somebody's nose. I don't remember whose nose it was. Well, and that's why I stopped myself because I was going to say they didn't go both through the same procedure, but I think they did. I think both uh, Abernathy and uh, Clementine. Clementine got the drill. Right, right. Yeah, because otherwise Clementine would be with Neve now rather than Dolores. Because when Clementine got taken away and knocked out, Neve was devastated. And um, and you you would figure if she felt Meve, I mean if Clementine was still out there and available, she would she would have tried to save her. But I don't know. She could also just not know she's out there still. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Uh, Um, So yeah, go on, Mike. By the way, you mentioned the the drone robots. Yeah, I was thinking this. Uh, as we saw more of Dolores' followers this week, you know they're all wearing this black mask covering their face up. Yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? And it does, but it did kind of make me think of the those drones who you know were the faceless hosts. Reminded me of the gimp from Pulp well, Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> the gimp had at least eye holes. Uh, True, and a zipper. Yeah. Right. Now, I don't know if that's to equate them or, or if we're looking at uh, black and white pawns in a chess game um, or, or or if it's just because it looks creepy uh, and it's a stylistic choice by whoever the, the art designer is. But I certainly, personally, I saw a connection in that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, no I, I think you could be right, Mike. Um... um and someone like Clementine doesn't have the mask because she's a character that the audience can identify, and so they don't want to mask her, um, I would think. Or maybe we're mistaken, and she's just not one of like those, and she still has some sort of personality more so than those drones that wear the mask. But again, this is all conjecture. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about Maeve. She's <laughs> she's the one we really haven't hit yet. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, Maeve is still trying to find her daughter and ends up in a bunch of different weird places this episode. Uh, she has a run-in with Ghost Nation at one point. I can't even remember if that's the first place we see her. That's a good question. Did we see anything before that, or did it pretty much start at Ghost Nation? Um, I'm going to say it started Ghost Nation. If somebody remembers elsewise, you can, you can correct me. Yeah, uh, that but, makes sense, uh, so, so they run into Ghost Nation, and she has a flashback from her previous story where Ghost Nation murdered her and her daughter. So she freezes up for a second, but then I thought this was really interesting in this scene because she tells all the Ghost Nation to stop because she did all her, her modifications to all the other hosts to obey her, but apparently wasn't. 100% successful in that because they only stop for a moment and then continue and Hector actually speaks the native language and uh, is able to talk to them but basically figures out this is not going to go well uh, so they pretty much run away yeah they they want Lee for some reason yeah yeah probably because he's human yeah well that's the thing do, th- do these Ghost nations. Do all robots know the difference? Do they know that they're robots, or is it oh, just some ro- robots? That's interesting. I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure because yeah. the humans aren't sure who's robot and who's human. So I imagine that the robots wouldn't be 100 percent sure either. Although they could have like scanning abilities that humans don't. Right. Yeah, but whatever reason they want Lee, and then Meeves tells Hector that no, we we. we we need Lee. And obviously Lee says, yeah, yeah, you need me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He is so wonderfully pathetic. It really just makes me smile. Well, when when you're surrounded by by people that could just kill you in an instant, I I guess you you have to. No, but I mean, he's been pathetic pathetic from the very first time we met him on the show. He's, 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 He's a simpering fool, and it makes me giggle. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so, yeah, they bolt out of there, even though Ghost Nation is now going after Hector and Meeve now, too. Um, because they would have let them go had they given Lee to them. Uh, right. And the only reason they escape is because Meeve knew, or Lee, one of the two, knew of one of those... Underground elevators, yeah. Points, yeah. Um, and is that the same elevator that we saw Charlotte and Bernard get into at the be- in the first episode? I don't think so. I think there's a whole bunch of them around the park that look the same. Yeah. Okay. I just uh, looked. It's like a good question. Elevator, but, it is yeah. a good question. Yeah. I mean, they could be just using the same prop too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it could be. It could be. Um. So yeah, they they go down to the basement or you know the underground tunnels and all that, and um, they're they, reunited they, with Harvestus. That was awesome. Oh, this made me so fucking happy. <laughs> yeah, and they answered the question too. You know, some of the questions like we asked, what happened to the the two buffoon doctors that Meve used last season, and the how text, did yeah. Ar- yeah, and then how did Armistice survive? 
when her arm was caught in a door, right? And, that, and we know why because she had now has a robot arm, uh, oh, and uh, or one without flesh. I should think, say. Think Felix gave it to her. Yeah, he probably yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, Felix and and the and the redheaded guy with the beard. Uh, they probably did. Yeah. But uh, probably my favorite line this entire episode is they're in the tunnels and they hear chaos and a dude comes running down the hallway on fire. Oh, that was awesome. And then Armistice comes around the corner with a fucking flamethrower and Hector just goes, oh, she's got a dragon. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, that's what I said. We got it. Okay, so wait a minute. So you got a platinum blonde coming down the hallway with a dragon breathing fire. Where have we right. seen this before on HBO? <laughs> hey, winning formula is a winning formula. That's, that's <laughs> true. That's true. So, <laughs> Armistice takes them to where uh, Felix and Sylvester are, and we find that Felix is handcuffed, but Sylvester <laughs> is sitting there with a grenade under his chin that has had the pin pulled by Armistice, presumably. Couldn't and, happen to a nicer guy. And if he raises his head too much, it'll blow him all to hell. Uh, so <laughs> Armistice puts the pin back in the grenade and lets him go. And uh, they all go off um, and end up in somewhere where it's snowing. And I think Lee Sizemore is really just kind of a crap tour guide because he doesn't really know where they are. But uh, they end up somewhere where it's snowing, and then uh, Lee finds the decapitated head of... Was was that a Shogun he found the decapitated head of? I had to Uh, read that later, but it was a Shogun because I thought it was just another tech like Felix or something. And, (laughs) And it wasn't. It was actually a Shogun's head, yeah. And freaks out and goes running to Maeve. And before he has a chance to tell her what he saw, uh, like the last thing we see in this episode is a Shogun charging out of the shadows uh, with a sword, and then it cuts credits. Yeah, so the two things um, before we talk about also the um, the Raj escapee um, and and how she makes it to the beach. But um, the one first is... Oh, I forgot about that. Thanks, Phil. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, the first is is did this did they walk through the tunnels and are these tunnels connected to other parks? So Westworld may be on an island, but maybe it shares the island with Samurai World, or is this similar to the Bengal Tire and that woman from the Raj Park? Choice B. You think they? Least I, uh, yeah, I think because when they like Lee Sizemore thinks they're somewhere in Westworld. Yeah. So I oh, think I that, yeah, that yeah. geographically they are still in Westworld, but uh, characters from Shogun World have started to encroach. Okay. Okay. And, and to be honest, the, the snow doesn't feel weird to me because I mean, if uh, the Wild West included Wyoming and Colorado and Montana and all those mm-hmm. places, it snows like a motherfucker. So uh, this. That didn't make you know. It didn't feel out of place. I didn't think, even though Lee felt it was a little bit out of place. I think, or at least Mimiv did. Anyway, mm-hmm. but they called it the Klondike scenario or the Klondike that's narrative. That's right. That's right. 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 Yeah. 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 That's what Lee said. Right. Because I don't think Mimiv ever experienced it. 
but yeah okay whatever the Klondike means um so this that was we'll discuss that in a bit about the samurai stuff but let's go back to the Raj thing so the woman after she was I guess knocked off the cliff into the water with the tiger mm-hmm. um comes ashore and sure enough we see the dead tiger there too the tiger did not make it but she did so what we do know is that that's the tiger probably from episode Episode one one, which is what i was referring to when i said we get our first answer of the season yeah yeah there you go and then um the woman is what we are assuming is captured by the ghost (laughs) this poor woman's got shit luck yeah, the ghost. She, the ghost. She gets natives. knocked off a cliff by a charging tiger and ends up being captured by natives. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's how her that story ends. I mean, it just shows her looking up when two feet appear at her her uh, head, and she looks up, and it's it's them, the ghost nation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it cuts the credits, or, or not cut the credit, but cuts the next scene. So it'll be curious to see if. That whole thing with her was just to establish that there's other worlds out there, including the Raj world, or if this character, this woman, is now actually going to be a star in this um, this show now. Yeah, I'm um, curious to find that out too. Yeah, I mean, one thing that gave me away gave it away that Armistice was back, or at least was going to be in the flashback scene. I wasn't quite sure. Was the credits actually listed? Uh, Bergdahl, um, Ingrid Bolson Bergdahl. Mm-hmm. Um, so I immediately said, "Oh, look at that!" And then I saw Clementine, Angela, Seraphin. So I said, "Oh, look at that!" So I was curious if they were going to be flashbacks or not, but they weren't. They were present um, stuff. So this woman here, I don't know. I didn't know the actress's name, and there was a number of names in the credits I didn't identify. So the question is, is, is that just for the one episode or, or whatever? But Well, according to uh, IMDb, she's in at least three episodes. Okay. Oh, interesting. Hmm. All right, so I'm not sure if that is good for her, because if it's only three episodes, they might call her off. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so now we have samurais and we have Indian stuff. Um, now in what is supposed to be American West world. So, um, I guess since we've seen in previous or, or coming attractions, we saw Neve in Samurai World or what appears to be Samurai World. So it looks like the robots are going to start jumping worlds, I think, too. Yeah. But. Let's hope. Um, so yeah, I mean, this episode was, was more straightforward. It wasn't as, um, try, you know, Red Bull and Reddit, like the first two episodes where you're trying to figure out what was really going on. Um, and this one pretty much, uh, was A to Z in a sense, you know, they weren't flipping back and forth between time, except that one's 
spot where at the beginning when they had Charlotte say, where's Peter Abernathy? And then we see Bernard flashback um, a couple of weeks. Um, so uh, anything else that we want to say about this episode? Uh, unfortunately, I, don't, I mean, it was good, but it was unfortunately I don't see any thing of note except the fact that we now know the other worlds are coming into play and that Abernathy's big file is be going to be a big plot point this season, I think. Well, and it's fine. Uh, I'm, I'm all for season two being less confusing than season one. Cause I was really quite frustrated at points during season one. I'm much less frustrated this season than in actually enjoying the show more. Yeah. Yeah. And as Mike, you said, uh, last week when we were talking about Westworld, um, I remember there was a lot of weak episodes at the beginning. Remember, there was like two or three episodes we were thinking that, well, this ain't going to be a, a show that's going to, you know, be like Game of Thrones. But then the second half of last season, it really took off. Um, so, so this this so far the first three episodes are, are more like the second half of last season, I think. Um, because I remember, I remember for season one, it, like the first episode was really cool, and then, then we started having some episodes that were questionable, two, three, and four, five. I think I can't remember exactly the numbers. And then I think it was like three, four, and five in that neighborhood. Yeah, that's what I think too. And then, then the last half of the season was really good. Um, so yeah, um, all right. So, any final thoughts anybody wanted to talk about before we start wrapping it up? Anything? Uh, no, just that I'm looking forward to getting seeing uh, Shogun World. Same. Yep. All right. Sounds good. So, um, all right. So, I guess we can uh, wrap up uh, next week's episode. Um, I haven't really. Uh, been following, you know, what, oh, what's next week? What's next week? Because, um, I don't know, no reason. But uh, unlike uh, Game of Thrones, they're, they're actually listing the, the actual names of all the episodes. Uh, next week's it's called The Riddle of the Sphinx. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, uh, I don't think they're going to have an Egyptian world, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> there, we, there we go. That I would, would be awesome. Bunch of slaves. Shocked. That would be awesome, though, to see, see the pharaohs and all that stuff. Oh, I was always one of my own slaves, so yeah, that would be pretty cool. Well, <laughs> anyway. All right, so... Uh, so <laughs> you just said Phil scurrying. <laughs> oh, oh, guess who's on the show next week? Elsie! How do you know? It's on IMDb. Oh, uh, so it, oh, it could be another flashback episode, or it could I be have hope. You cannot crush my hope. I can say next next uh, week is a uh, showrunner show, though, because Lisa Joy uh, is directing it, and Jonathan Nolan is a co-writer of it. So, mm-hmm. so this one, this one is, uh, I guess, their big episode. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying I have hope. <laughs> you have hope. He's got. I hopes. Yeah. Um, no, it would be it would be really nice, uh, but IMDb is not 100% reliable because people put shit in there all the time that they can't back up. Mm. That's true. Um, a couple of things about U.S. viewers. Uh, 2,060,000 
U.S. viewers, anyway, uh, watched the season premiere and 1.85 million watched Reunion. Uh, yesterday's Virtue uh, Fortuna has not been announced yet. But um, uh, to be honest, they're, uh, they're not really growing much more than last season. Uh, and yet they've already uh, re-upped for season three. So I think I think they're getting a lot of re-watching from, on HBO now since they just leave it there forever and anybody can watch it at any point. Uh, and, of course, the discs and stuff. So, Yeah, that would be my guess. There's that. There's the fact that the, the ratings haven't declined is a good sign. Uh, it's gotten a lot of positive buzz and award nominations and... Uh, you know, we don't know how the DVD sales or Blu-ray sales went. So those are all factors. Certainly, uh, like I said, Game of Thrones, for all of its cost, it when they first put the uh, the first season of DVD on sales, they made all their money back just from the DVDs. Right. So that that alone was was reason enough to keep it going. And that was for Game of Thrones, you mean? For Game of Thrones for the first season, right. so if yeah. I don't I have no idea what Westworld sales were like, I it, clearly it is not yet at uh, at Game of Thrones levels. Yeah, well, Game of Thrones is interesting because their first season they they only averaged around two point five two million per episode, and then it just kept on slowly growing up, growing. So season two was three point eight to all the way up to season seven, where the average viewing was ten point two six. So they grew by over almost five times from season one to season seven. Uh, here, it's actually pretty steady, unlike Game of Thrones, which actually grew from 2.52 average episode season one to 3.80. Um, but again, there's something that's going on that they, meaning HBO, thinks uh, is making this show uh, a phenomenon, even if it doesn't actually have the viewership yet. And again, a lot of this viewership uh, could be after the fact, because uh, some people um, I know, uh, author James Moore, for for example, uh, doesn't even watch any shows. Uh, he said on a, a recent podcast, unless until I mean until after. Oh, actually, it may have been Jonathan Mayberry. It was, it was some some author said that uh, I don't watch any TV until the season's over, so I can I can binge watch it. That's what I prefer to do too. Yeah. So a lot of people do that, and so maybe that's what what's going on with Westworld, because um, anybody can go to HBO now, HBO Go, uh, and watch it at any point. And uh, in any season, for that matter, uh, for this show or any other HBO shows, and um, and as a result, obviously that, that there's probably a lot of people that are probably they, maybe they have some ticker on you know maybe HBO has a ticker for their apps that anytime a person watches a show they know you know and they just don't release it. Oh it's not, yeah, yeah, they track all that shit. Yeah, so they would anyway. be foolish not to. I agree. Just like Westworld, they're they're watching their viewers <laughs> or, or right. participants. <laughs> so, all right, sounds good. So uh, next week, uh, bullets, brothels, and bots. Our Westworld podcast will be back uh, for the Sphinx episode. 
And until then, please send your emails uh, to uh, darkdiscussions at AOL.com or uh, comment and write a, uh, uh, a blog's post on our Facebook group called Dark Discussions Podcast. And we will uh, read off your emails and your blog posts on the next episode of Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast. So, with all that stated, Eric, why don't we leave this out? All right. Thanks for tuning in. Let's, let's talk about episode three of season two. Come back next week. We'll talk about episode four.